Socks on 35th is next. Doors open on the left. How's it going, everybody? My name is Duke Coughlin, and welcome to the Socks on 35th podcast. We are back with another exciting episode covering your Chicago White Sox. As always, I'm joined by our panelists, Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. Gentlemen, I know exactly how you were doing on Friday night because we had the second annual Sox on 35th outing. It was an incredible time. I could sit here and list all the people that we saw, but um, obviously the entire network was there. It's always great seeing everybody. It's awesome to put faces to names, everything like that. So big ups to everybody. Uh, big ups to Joe for you know putting the whole thing on. But besides that incredible outing we were at on Friday, how was the rest of your weekend? How are you guys doing? Uh, one thing to add on that before I share, you know, you know I, I don't think anybody across any platform thanks the people that kind of make it possible enough. So all of you listening, all the support you guys provide, it, it makes it possible for us to be able to go and celebrate the, the family we have and the work we do here. So I uh, appreciate everyone who listens and reads and follows along. Um, you guys make that possible. Other than that, I'm doing better today than when I was uh, trying to get out a lot to see on Saturday. I cursed myself. We, we Lot B was full. Had to go to lots. Yeah, we got towards the front of the lots. I'm like, oh, this will probably be pretty good. You know, there, there's not the usual traffic. I bet getting out will be pretty easy because A and B merge together. C is kind of on its own. It was a nightmare. It, it was a true nightmare. I, I deserved the curse I put on myself for that because I was just not really happy. And poor Joe had to sit there and listen to me. Um, it, it was it was not a good time. Would not recommend. <laughs> well, sorry to hear that. I um. I'm very loyal to lots A and B, but whenever they're full and I and I go to C, I try when I park toward the front, I'm actually like, damn it, it's gonna be tougher to get out now because everyone exits through that funnel on the back, you know. Is that what happened to you? No, the first of all, the way you said that was like the most insincere, like, oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Like, I'm not really sorry. I'm just saying <laughs> that had to be the most insincere, like, oh, I I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, no, you're not. Uh no, we got towards the front. And, and to get our way out, and then all of a sudden, like, it would, traffic was not moving. And then we, I, I, we were out to my car pretty early. And then by the time, like, traffic started moving, everybody had already gotten to their cars. So now everyone was merged. It, it just created a giant mess. And it defeated the purpose of getting out of the stadium at, as quickly as we did. But, no, that was the most insincere. Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. No, you're <laughs> There's no way you were based on that. All right. You know what? I'm sorry for the way I said sorry. How, how about that? Is that better? <laughs> that, you know what? That sounded super sincere. I'm going to pull a Tony La Russa. I, I, <laughs> I understand your sincerity on that one. Thank you. <laughs> Unreal. No, um, I, I think two important pieces of context here before we move on. Um, Jordan, because I was sitting right next to Jordan as he was driving the lot C on Saturday. And he was just telling, he was just justifying how, how much better of a situation it's going to be going into lot C. Um, you, you know what? It, it worked out for the best. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to have to be in lot B or we're not going to have to deal with the funneling of lot A, lot B. Jordan was coping at a level that I've never seen Jordan cope. And it was impressive to watch. And it only got worse once we pulled up to the stadium and we realized, oh my goodness, it's a giveaway day. And that is why all the lots are full. <laughs> the vibes were so good at that point. We had just come off the sweet outing. We were going to another game. Then I was in a good mood. So maybe it was the coping that was the issue. But like, I was in a good mood. And that was quickly ruined about three hours later. Sox won, which was great. Um, and then I tried to get out of the stadium. So I won't put the curse on myself next time. I'll accept the situation as it is. 
uh, and try not to cope so hard, I guess. No, it was it was genuinely a great weekend. Uh, once again, Jordan, I think you said it all. Um, really appreciate all the people who support the website that uh, make things like that possible. Obviously, you know, and I think my favorite people that I saw at the sweet outing were the people that, you know, maybe not everyone's totally familiar with as far as pe- like fans of our website. And they are people who are just absolute rock stars behind the scenes, you know, whether that's in the editing sides of side of things, whether that's, you know, dropping ideas in the group chats that we're in, like, I've, the network really does run on all the hard work of everybody. And, you know, I just, it, it's always awesome kind of being able to pick, pick brains, be able to kind of talk ball with those types of people. But, um, you know, I think we have quite a bit to cover in the episode. And I feel like we've talked a lot about pat ourselves on the back, a lot about socks on 35th and shit on Jordan enough for an entire episode. So before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Also, be sure to check out the website at Socks on 35th, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Socks on 35th. So, obviously, it has been a pretty up and down week of baseball, I guess would probably be the best way to put it. Um, couldn't have ended really in a better way. Obviously, Friday with, uh, you know, losing that one of the Red Sox, it really felt like a very winnable game, especially when you look at uh, the performances of guys like Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Benatendi. Um, you really just need a little bit more from the offense and uh, you just didn't end up getting it. But then you have the next two games, you have Saturday and Sunday. Um, you have Luis Robert. Um, I don't know like if Luis Robert hates the Boston Red Sox, but I, I feel like he just absolutely terrorizes them every time he sees them on the schedule. And uh, this is no different. And he played so well this week that he was actually named the AL player of the week. So Luis Robert, um, playing at a very good, very all-star type of level right now. And uh, it's very exciting to see. Um, obviously, with with the wins and losses, you know, that's an entirely different discussion. But it is nice to see Luis Robert kind of moving forward and playing very good baseball, as well as my boy Andrew Benintendi. But we will discuss that a little bit later. Nick, I'll let you start off. How are you feeling about the past week of White Sox baseball? Yeah, I mean, from the standpoint of the team, I feel the same that I always feel. Like, they do just enough to not be completely out of the race. I mean, they're what, six, six or so games back, but they don't do enough to actually claw back. So it is what it is, and that's we've discussed that a lot. As for the last week of play, I do want to highlight Luis Robert a bit just because, uh, you, as you mentioned, he was just named AL Player of the Week. And even before he kind of went on his heater over the weekend, like before it was home run after home run, it became kind of clear that he was in one of his zones again. I feel like just watching even his outs, he was barreling the ball to the outfield, or he would hit, you know, like a, 100 mile per hour line drive right to an infielder like you can kind of just tell and also the tell with him of course is that he's chasing uh less frequently on the sliders the waist pitch is low and away which is a common uh trend that we always talk about and that kind of brings me to my my main point which is that i think and again this is also something that i was thinking before he went on those heaters this is not like a hindsight thing but i'm getting kind of annoyed with the amount of people who feel the need to add qualifiers when they're talking about robert and by that i mean that and also, this is not an attack on Jordan. I know it might come off as one, but I, I so before you even go anywhere, I, I knew you were going to talk about Robert. I had no idea what it was, and as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh my god, he is going right at me. No, go right ahead, Nick. Let's let, let's hear what you got to say. I mean, you go might ahead. disagree with it, but it honestly, the the inspiration for it came the other day, like Tuesday or Wednesday, when Robert was not even in the top twenty of voting returns, 
And I looked and saw that he was like the number one or two ranked outfielder in the AL in most stats, and he wasn't even top 20 in voting. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. So it's, it's not like I, your whole thing the other day, I think a couple of days ago, is which I'm sure we'll talk about. That, that came after. But anyway, I'll get to my point. Um, my point is that there's a lot of like, oh, if he could just um, stop swinging at those pitches, if he could just walk more, if he could just stay healthy, if he could just do this or that. And what I would say is I agree with that. Like, if he could just walk more, yes, he would be a legitimate MVP candidate. And if he could just stay healthy, we wouldn't have so, so many hypothetical conversations about him. Like, I do agree with that. And it is frustrating to watch him when he's in a slump. Like, I'm I'm, I'm watching the same games as you guys. I get frustrated too when he's, when he's not doing well. But at the same time, I do think that if you just can look past those those stretchers, I'm not saying take them out. I'm not saying, oh, if you take out the bad games, he's good. Like, it's not one of those things. I hate when people do that. I'm saying that even when you include all of that, you kind of have to just appreciate how good of a season he's having. Like, it's getting to the point where I feel like, and this is not, again, not Jordan, not either of you two, but it's getting to the point where I feel like White Sox fans just aren't doing nearly enough to appreciate how good he's been. Like, of course, now everyone kind of agrees that he's an all-star, that he will be an all-star. It, it, it would be ridiculous. It would be like a Dylan Cease level snub last year if he doesn't make the all-star team. So that that's that. Like, sorry to Berger and Giolito. Like, they're having good years, but I don't think they're on that same level. But even then, there are White Sox fans who say, yeah, he's an all-star. He's just not good enough to be a starter. And if your argument is that the White Sox are, you know, a, a bad team, therefore they don't deserve a starting player, that's fine. I, I agree with that. But... I mean, when you look at it really objectively, Luis Robert has been the best outfielder in the American League this season. Whether you're looking at uh, wins above replacement on fan graphs, baseball reference, or if you're looking at just a culmination of other stats, when you're talking about someone who is fourth in home runs, sorry, fourth in home runs among all major league players, not just outfielders, uh, fourth in home runs, fifth in slugging, sixth in isolated power, and somewhere between first and third in most defensive metrics for outfielders, it's clear that even despite all these negatives, he is still having an incredibly good season and has been honestly a top 10 player in all of baseball like objectively speaking with all this negative so yes i get it if he didn't have these these warts he would be a top three player in all of baseball maybe and maybe he'll get there one day but at the same time i don't think we should lose sight of just how good he's been because it's really honestly ridiculous that the fan base is kind of spending so much time arguing about him or saying he's not a real all-star or whatever while he's on pace for like 43 home runs while playing gold glove defense in center field but that's exactly what we wanted to see out of Robert when he was a prospect, and we're seeing it happen. So as much as it's disappointing that he's not perfect, I think we should still appreciate what he is. So that's kind of my point. Jordan, I know you probably have a lot to say. And I, again, that wasn't an attack on you, but I can see why it might have come off as such. Oh, my God, let me just take the knife right out of my back <laughs> that you stuck right in there throughout that argument. So let me let me ask this, because I, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I got into some arguments yesterday that I did not even mean to start about this very topic. I tweeted something along the lines, you know, and it was after Robert hit his second home. You know, if he walked at like like a three percentage point higher rate, like he'd be legitimately unstoppable as a baseball player. And a lot of people liked it or retweeted and then I got in a conversation where people are like, you know, you're just dogging him just or, or you're this just sour grapes or whatever, just because you were dogging him earlier in the season. Well, I was dogging him earlier in the season when he had a nine WRC plus over the course of three weeks. Like, I, I think that's a fair time to dog a player. I didn't try. I didn't claim to trade him. Don't don't get me wrong. I didn't claim to trade him. I simply said, move him down in the lineup until he uh, fixes his approach a little bit. Apparently that that is so bad to say 
that I got into quite a few arguments yesterday over, and it's very similar to what you're saying, Nick. I, I'm trying to find the line between, for fans saying like, yes, you know, and Nick, you have receipts of this as well. I would put him top two in the AL in center field right behind Trout. I don't think there's any question. He is a stellar ball player, and there are there's one other guy I would take over him in center field and happens to be the best player in baseball, historically. Like, I, I don't think... I'm being unfair in my evaluation of Luis Robert. Where is that line, though, for trying to say, like, yeah, it's I'd still like to see him do these things because it's not like I'm saying I need him to become prime Yasmani Grandal, right? I'm not saying I need a 10, 15 percent walk rate. It's worse. It's like when the pitch is eight feet or eight inches outside, let it go. That doesn't that shouldn't change your approach in terms of aggressiveness. Anything in the zone, feel free to swing it at the same rate you are when you see it's almost a foot outside lay off of those. Like I think we should all want that for him as Sox fans simply because it's such an easy way to improve without changing who you are as a ball player. All that much. You can be free swinging at pitches relative. I'm even talking like shadow pitches, like keep swinging at those all that you want. Just more so those waste pitches where it's like you see three sliders in the dirt and then at bat and he swings through all three of them. It's like, those are the at-bats you want to refine. And it's simply, it's not because I don't think he's good now. So everyone's saying, I'm I'm mad because I was dogging him and now he's good. Get out of here. Like, if you honestly think I'm mad that he's playing well, like, you got to screw loose, multiple of them. It's more so it's like wanting to refine it in a way that's easily attainable, such that it would make it even more awesome how good he is right now. I, I don't know. It's, it's weird finding that line because, like, I, I get what you're saying, Nick, but also it's like, yes, but this is so this, – this feels like I, – I don't know. I'm a, not a Major League Baseball player. It feels attainable to the point where it's like I'd like to see him make that next step. Just like everyone last year with Dylan Cease. Oh, he's good, but he walks too many guys or this and that. It's like it's the same thing. It's like every player has these things that are, are somewhat attainable. I don't consider that any different. Like, I'm not going to get mad at someone – who says Dylan C should walk fewer guys. He should. Like, I, I don't get why. I guess the long-winded response is I, I don't get why there's pushbacks on those things. To, to your point, I get like, hey, he's not a true all-star, all that stuff. Like, that's out of line. It's more so it's like, there are still things. It's fine. I, I, I feel like it's fine to be like, hey, this is awesome. But you know what would be even more awesome? Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I understood what you were saying with the tweet. Like the, the tweet you've referenced a couple of times, like when I saw it, it's like, you know what? That's good take. The reason why people jumped on you about that is because of previous takes. I, if that was, if that was a, a, a straight take out of somebody after being maybe milk toast on Luis Robert, you're probably not going to get that type of return. People really love like just thinking about you saying that Luis Robert needed to go down in the lineup, but you know what? I mean, Pedro Grafal himself did that. Pedro Grafal held Luis mm-hmm. Robert accountable earlier Correct. on in the season. Like, it's not like it's not like it just never happened. You know what I mean? Like, there's a pretty clear correlation to Luis Robert playing better baseball after getting benched for that game or two and then coming back a little bit lower in the lineup. Like, there's – it's pretty direct. You know, the beginning of the season really wasn't all that great for Luis. And this is somebody who came into the season, like, high on Luis Robert. You know, I mean, you could pull back old episodes – um, I, I think, I think what gets me with stuff like that and Luis Robert, you know, you guys have said it all, like he's one of the, like probably the second best center fielder in all baseball right now. Um, genuinely just 
mashing baseballs. Like looks great at the plate, looks great in the field. Like he looks like the guy that we kind of expected him to be. But I don't think it's crazy to have higher expectations. And it's not like we're it's not like anybody's holding his feet to the fire. And if you are, you're you're way too much of a stickler for my taste. But like it's just wanting to see what he can do and, and see him bring it all together because he's done it before. You know, 2021, he played 68 games. He's played 76 this season. This season, he has an on-base percentage of 326. In 2021, he had an on-base percentage of 378. It's not like he can't do it. You know what I mean? It's not like he's never proven that he can do it in the past. It, like, he can like he can be that player and that's why people should kind of want him to be that player, you know? And I think I think you can acknowledge that you want more out of Luis Robert because you've seen it from him in the past while still acknowledging the fact that he's playing at an insanely high level right now, that he belongs in the All-Star game and that it's it's very refreshing that he's finally being recognized by the entire league because two, three weeks ago, I was seeing tweets from other fan bases just shitting all over Luis Robert. And it was just so absurd to me because it's like, if you watch this guy play on a daily basis, sure, does he have his flaws? Absolutely. You know, I think the slider jokes are there for a reason. You know what I mean? It's not like it just isn't a thing. But then you have this Luis Robert who just played the Boston Red Sox who sat on two sliders before hitting one to get a, you know, a, into a gap, which I thought that's growth. That's, that's the small things you want to see out of Luis Robert that continues to help him grow. Like he's 25 years old. He's not a finished product by any sense of the imagination and nobody should want him to be a finished product right now. We should continue to want to see him move up that ladder and continue to grow. So I, I mean, I understand people being defensive of players because sometimes I get a little defensive of my guys as well. You know, it's it's just kind of one of those things. But I think you have to just stop and look at the fact that Luis Robert was sold to us as this guy with the potential to be the best player in baseball, if not top three, as you said a little bit earlier, Nick. And to expect him to be that guy, I don't think that's crazy at all. You know, and I think uh, I think that is a standard that he should be held to. And I think that's a standard that he probably holds himself to, because I think with the way he's been playing, he wants to be the best player in baseball. And I don't even think it's getting defensive about guys. Trust me, I've got my narrators. I've got my guys. I, I don't even think it's about that. For me, it was more so about the fact that people are trying to say like, oh, you're just mad that he's playing well now uh, because you were bashing. Get out of here. Yeah, I hate being I hate being happy as a Sox fan. You guys are ridiculous sometimes, truly on Twitter. Um, and you know exactly who you are uh, when it comes to this one. But for me, this isn't even the first time we've done this with players. Moncada comparing his 2021 to his 2019. Um, Dylan Cease last year. Like, we do this all the time. I, I don't know why there's any more or less vitriol for Luis Roberts. Like, there's another level to his game that's easily attainable. We all should want that, but we can also all recognize how good he was. Just like 2021 Moncada. He was valuable in a different way, but he was still valuable. There's a higher ceiling like the 2019 but what he did was still awesome. Like, uh, it's just, this feels like such a weird reaction for this player specifically. Just, we've done this before with other players and came to the same conclusions. This is great. I'd love to see this next level, but I will absolutely take what I'm getting right now. People are like, he's the best player on the team. Like, you don't think I know that? I'm not dumb, people. Like, think what you want. Come on, it it got a little ridiculous. Right. I mean, I think as long as, and you two both did this, but I think as long as you can acknowledge that he's having such a good season while 
also saying we he has this other level he hasn't unlocked yet or has in the past but isn't doing now. That's fine. That's the distinction. My issue is with the people who don't acknowledge how good he's been, but then Harpon needed to see more from him. Like I, I agree with you guys that Trout's the only center fielder I would take over him. But again, objectively so far, I'm not saying he's a better player than Trout. Don't worry. I'm a huge Mike Trout fan and I have a brain. But he is having a better season than Mike Trout, <laughs> like objectively so far. And that's in part because Trout had a bit of a, a downward uh, spell for like a few weeks there. So I'm sure by the end of the year, that'll be different. But as of right now, Robert has literally been better than Mike Trout this year, as well as every other outfielder in the AL. Yet, I just still feel like the pendulum has swung too far on the criticism level. So that's why I brought this up in the first place. I mean, I knew we would talk about it, but, and, and I hope this doesn't get taken out of context, like some comments from, Jordan on, on Twitter where it's like, oh, Nick thinks that Robert's better than Trout. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But he is having a better season than him. Like You can acknowledge that. Trust me, you'd rather them have it taken out of context that way than the way they're like, oh, you're mad because he's good. Like that, that was that was something else yesterday. I couldn't believe that one. If there's anyone who actually wants this team to be bad that's a Sox fan, they're not a Sox fan. Straight sure. up. Like I, I thought that was ridiculous and I couldn't wait to come on here and talk about this. Um just simply because I thought how ridiculous some of the conversation around him got. It's like, yeah, he's awesome. Best player. Absolutely. I have a brain. Um, I, this, the funny thing is this conversation in total feels so unnecessary. Look at the numbers, look at the statistics behind it. Like it, this, this feels like such a wholly unnecessary conversation from your perspective, Nick, and from mine on the other side of it, where it's like, just look at, at the numbers that are provided for you. So, so Nick, I will, I will give you a pass because technically he does DH more often, but don't, don't, if we're considering Shohei Otani an outfielder, we might need to have a discussion about that. But again, I'll let that pass because, uh, you know, Shohei Otani is Shohei Otani. But anyway, um, one thing that is very necessary to talk about is uh, Andrew Benatendi because over the past week, my boy, Benny, has been absolutely destroying slap hits to the gaps. And you want to know what? I can admit that. I can I can totally admit how great it is to watch Andrew Benintendi be a slap hitter. And I know that's something to be, that is used against him a lot. But when you're slashing 385, 385, slugging 539, OPS 923, I'm, I'm going to live with the slaps, genuinely. You know, that, that slugging number obviously isn't anything to really hold your, hold your crown to. But, like, Andrew Benintendi's playing really good baseball right now. And I feel like everyone's just kind of avoiding talking about it. You know, even when I was, even when I was at the game um, on Saturday, you know, sitting in uh, sitting down 153, I sat in 108 for a little bit as well. Um, you know, you still just kind of heard those hoot, hoot and hollers anytime Benintendi had a bad swing or anything like that. You know, everybody, everybody just expects him to be this like all-star level player. Um but honestly, he's played like that in the past week, and I don't think he's gotten enough recognition about it. You know, I know Luis Robert is a hot topic around town, but um, I really like what Andrew Benintendi's been doing. Not even just last last week, but really the last month. You know, it's it, it. He's looked really good. He's looked a lot more like that guy we paid him to be. Obviously, the power numbers. You want him to be better, uh, you know. I think uh, I think everybody wants more than one home run out of a guy that you're paying as Andrew Benintendi. You know that number, but. Uh, I've been really impressed with how he's been playing lately. Yeah, and and I think along those lines, it's like yeah, there there's a price tag aspect of all of this. It's like when we first signed, or the White Sox first signed Yasmani Grandal. 
there's a price tag aspect to the expectations. Um, and I think that's going to be part of it. And I think the other part of it is, like you mentioned, the power numbers still aren't there. The, the gap to gap shots are good. Like that is absolutely a step in the right direction. And I start putting them over the fence. Take that next step. Go, go that step further. Yeah, you're just like Louise Robert. You're doing something awesome. You're doing a good job with this specific aspect of your game. Take it to that next level. Like, cause it, It's all important because until these guys take it to that next level, uh, us coming on here every week and being like, they're in it. They're out of it. They're in it. They're out. It's going to continue. Yeah, I do feel like Duke has probably earned the victory lap here. I mean, I was actually very surprised to uh, to look at Ben Intendi's uh, fan graphs page today and notice that his weighted runs created plus is now over 100, meaning he is now considered an above average hitter for the season. It's 101, so it's not like anything crazy. <laughs> but but still, um, I, I do agree that over the last month or so, he's been a lot better in terms of getting on base. I still don't love his defense. That's a different different discussion. But on offense, yes, he's been a lot more of what we were promised. And I kind of agree going with what Jordan was saying that the expectations are because of what he's being paid, which is unfortunate because on any other team, $75 million would be like a pretty normal contract. But instead, it's like the holy grail for the White Sox. So there's that. But yeah, he, he definitely has been hitting a lot better. And honestly, if he'd been doing this all season, even if I don't like his defense, I would probably have no complaints about him. So hopefully it's just the slow start was because of his hand injury from last year. Maybe it wasn't fully healed and just now it's starting to feel better. If that's the case, then... Suddenly, you know, he's looking like a pretty decent signing, or maybe you never wavered on that and always thought it was a pretty decent signing. But I know Duke did. But um, and yeah. and and I think at the end of the day, too, just the quality of at bats has been really good. You know, everyone makes fun of how much I like walks and chase rates and things like that. Like the reason it matters is because if you look at this offense as a whole, you know, over the past since the Los Angeles series, I think this is kind of importance like you see the extremes of like Luis Robert versus Andrew Benintendi in terms of s- sometimes their production level Sox have hit the third most home runs in baseball since that loss including that Los Angeles series so about two and a half ish weeks of worth of games they scored the fourth fewest runs in baseball over that time because they have the fourth lowest on base percentage and the second lowest walk rate like why does this stuff matter? Because they're just in a bunch of solo home runs and they're not scoring enough runs via solo home runs. So they're not winning ball games. You can't turn around and blame the or the pitching. They're 10th in the ERA over that span and 4th in F4. So you can't turn around and blame the pitchers because they've been at least pretty much doing their job. It's nice to see guys like Ben Benintendi have those good at-bats and work counts at the top of the lineup and, and find ways to get himself on base or at least work a good at bat because yeah, the Sox have taken a step in the right direction offensively. Now they're hitting homers, but you need people to be on base in order to really make that count. And I think, you know, again, it's like, Oh, Jordan is walks, Jordan, this Jordan talking about how Luis Robert is walking. The point is like, you need guys who are going to find ways on base so that the guys who hit the ball out of the ballpark, can do their job more effectively. Like it, it's a step in the right direction, but it's still not there fully as a team. But Duke, to your credit or to your point, Andrew Benintendi's quality of at bats push that in the right direction. You need more guys to go and do that, though. Yeah, well, I mean, simply put, we can't, you know, and I mean, this team has certainly tried. We can't live and die by the solo home run offense. We need guys to get on base. You know, like like you said we need people on base for the heavy hitters in the lineup to really be able to take advantage of it. Um, you know, some of those guys 
honestly could get better with their approach as far as, you know, getting walks, you know, my boy, Jake Berger, I think is a prime example of that. Um, seeing him being able to walk would be a, a huge positive, especially bringing out, uh, bringing those strikeout numbers down. Um, but obviously, you know, Jake's still kind of working, you know, he's still playing he's still just kind of getting MLG MLB games under his belt. If we're being totally honest, you know what I mean? I don't even know if he's played an entire season's worth of games at this point yet. He's getting very close. If, not, if he's not already there, cause I know he's popped back and forth with the, uh, the majors and triple a over the past few years, but, um, hopefully that's something we see, um, improve over time. Um, we need to continue to see that, you know, Andrew Vaughn, he, he needs to be able to get on base any way possible. You, you know, if he's not hitting, um, he needs to be able to take walks, which I don't think he's been necessarily terrible at, but Andrew Vaughn's so hard to talk about on a week to week basis, because every time he starts to play good and we're ready, prepared to praise him, he uh, has just an awful week. And then every time he has an awful week and we're ready to tear him apart, he has a pretty good week. So it's, it's so hard, but regardless, this offense needs to have more consistency moving forward, especially when you get pitching performances from some of your lower end pitching, you know, pitchers. I I think, uh, I think your offense needs to be able to kind of carry the load. You know, you look at what we did against Boston on Sunday, pretty good example of a, a bullpen day of guys who probably aren't, you know, marquee names around the MLB. I mean, I don't know how many Tanner Banks stands are out there, but congratulations if you're one of them. Um, but to be able to get by with that type of, uh, that uh, to get by with that type of like strategy while getting four runs on the board, why can't we do that when Lance Lynn decides to show up and have a good game? You know what I mean? That's, that's the type of thing where the offense continues to struggle to find consistency. And that's why like this past series was a nice example of being able to have a little bit of it and show that you can win baseball games that way. But until that happens fully, it's just so hard to fully buy into this team. If you guys know what I mean? Right, because every week it's we're back, we're not back, we're in it, we're out. We're in it. It's like you bounce around. That's the fun of the weekly podcast. You, you bounce around as the team bounces around. Um, again, every player needs to take it to that next level. And that next level for a lot of guys is just more consistency. If you're not going to do that, you're just going to keep bouncing around. You're, you're relying on just raw talent at a certain point. You need to refine that talent. You need to take it to that next step in, in order to turn it into consistency. Not everybody can do that, but you need enough of the guys pulling in the same direction to be able to do that in order to be successful. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, I think uh, I, I think that's kind of a good spot to really get into some of our pitching performances over the past week, because, you know, as we say, we want consistency from the offense. And um, overall, I think uh, I think our pitching has done a pretty good job, you know, specifically our bullpen. Um, really no big meltdowns this week. Um, obviously, Friday night not the greatest performance from Reynaldo Lopez, uh, but, you know, a situation where that's just kind of what he's been at this point in the year. And this is where Pedro Gafal once again, has to really stay on top of bringing the right arms in at the right times. Um, Jordan, I know he's your boy, but I get so terrified when the White Sox are up like two runs and Aaron Bummer starts warming up in the bullpen. Um, you know, th- that's just the type of situational stuff where it's like, I need, Late in the game, that's where I need Joe Kelly or Kendall Graveman or anything but Aaron Bummer, to be totally blunt with you. Um, Nick, I know uh, I know you definitely love talking about bullpen guys. So um how how have you how have you felt about 
a little bit of the starting rotation, but B, how have you felt about the bullpen over the course of the past week? Because it's really starting to feel like that that is our strong suit. Yeah, it's tough without uh, Hendricks and Crochet, of course. But at the same time, one thing that I like that they're doing differently, and by they, I guess I mean a mix of Pedro Grifol or the front office, I don't really know who is behind this, is the idea of having multiple uh, long relievers in the bullpen, whether it's Panks or Schultons, or uh, I think they got, yeah, Tukey from the from the Guardians, but former Braves prospect, I think, through four innings the other night. Like, just having that flexibility is really nice, especially when you have a lot of starters, like uh, maybe Kopech, for example, who's getting close to his career high in innings, and you just need uh, some more insurance if he is having a bad start or his arm is getting tired or whatever. So as a concept, I like that. In terms of the actual players' performances, I mean, yeah, Giolito continues to have a very good year. I mean, we were at the game on the three of us on Friday when I think he struck out 10 batters. Like he's he's looking like his vintage self, which is really good for him. Although, honestly, it's a little bittersweet every time I watch him uh, this year, especially the last few weeks. It's like I kind of know this is the end, and he's pitching so well. And it's like, why? Like, we talked about this several times. But it's like, it's so stupid. Like, why have you already decided that he's gone no matter what? Like, why can't you re-sign a clearly good pitcher who wants to be here? But whatever, that's another topic uh and as for the bullpen yeah i mean like i said the long relievers have been nice i'm a little worried about this week uh particularly for the angels series more than the ages because the angels uh, lineup has been very good this year and uh i don't really trust aaron bummer or tanner banks or really anyone if we're being fair no no against against otani jordan i'm saying like my Oh, yeah. okay. Who do you trust against that, Otani? No, that, like, who? That's what I'm saying. Like, Michael Kopech. Yeah. Oh, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are something. I'm going to start boycotting these podcasts, man. I just come on here. I'm going to start boycotting. Look, all I'm start saying boycotting is, your own podcast. That's great. <laughs> like you, you just can't bring a lefty in against Otani. And, and I mean, maybe Tony LaRusso, but that's my point. Like, he's not a traditional power lefty that you can just expect to shut down. <laughs> And by the way, I do consider him a DH Duke, going back to earlier. I, I don't consider him an, an outfielder, so I don't think Robert is better than him. But anyway, I'm a little scared about that. Just because whether it's Otani or Trout or any of the number of surprisingly decent hitters that the Angels have picked up in the last couple of years, I just feel like we typically struggle on these West Coast trips. So I'm a little worried about that, and I guess we'll see. Just, just so much Aaron Bummer slander, man. Just, it, it is unbelievable. I, I will bring up statistics to justify all. <laughs> I'm not that. saying he's been good. Trust me, I, I, I understand when my narrative ball is, is struggling. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, it doesn't mean I like the slander. I, I think overall, it, it kind of proves what we kind of felt in the outset. That this entire team is probably going to be built on its pitching, and you need the offense to do enough, and it's really not doing. Um, it makes the fire Ethan Katz comments from earlier this season look extra ridiculous at this point in the season. Um, I think too, Nick, to your point, it's like it's frustrating to see someone like Giolito, who's clearly made his 2022 look like an outlier that it, we we all kind of figured it might be. Um, it's bittersweet to see him doing that. It's like we sat in the suite on Friday. I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to see him pitch in the Sox uniform in person. I don't know. Um, so it, it's nice to see them sort of hit that stride. I do think this angel series is an, a, another nice test. I, I think they have so far passed or at least gotten passing grades uh, against good offenses recently. Um, I think cease, especially as someone who has historically gotten the reputation of a bum slayer essentially. And for him to go out and pitch pretty well against Texas pitch pretty well against LA. These are good offenses um, that he's thrown well against 
the starting pitching has kept them in games. And especially this time when you know you don't have Clevenger um, and, you know, Kopech might be coming on um, up on some sort of innings limit or innings restriction. You know, if you get through a game where Tanner Banks, Jesse Schultons cover five, six innings and they only give up three runs, you have to win those ball games. Like those are the games that are the toughest ones to win. But if they keep you in it, you got to win them. Only thing other than that, Tukey Toussaint looked really good in his only outing uh, so far with the White Sox. I'm interested to see what happens with him. I, I'm not saying expect much just because he's bounced around so much. You, you figure someone would have unlocked him by now. Um, but if he stops throwing the fastball so much, becomes a sinker curveball type guy, might be someone who's worth keeping around just to be a multi-inning guy when you know guys who have we're, we're going to need guys who can cover those sorts of innings. And a, a guy that we'd want to see there, Garrett Crochet, hasn't been able to stay healthy enough to fill that role. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess one guy to really touch on um, who I don't think has been getting discussed enough as far as the bullpen goes is uh, Kenya Middleton. I thought he had a, you know, I think everybody looks at that Texas, that Texas appearance really being a rough one, obviously, um, didn't even get didn't even get an out before giving up two runs, but um, was was pretty locked down in this Boston series. Uh, struck you know struck out the three batters he faced on uh, um, on Friday and on Sunday, obviously shutting it down there at the end. And he just his confidence continuing to rise is something that's very promising. Um, I'm really just one of those guys. I'm just kind of surprised we just kind of stumbled upon. You know what I mean? It's really kind of cool to have this guy. Uh, come out of the bullpen uh, pitching confident. And uh, it's kind of nice instead of really falling into the same trap that we've felt fallen in past years of having these random names show up, be awful for three weeks and then they get DFA'd. Now we have these new guys just kind of showing up and they all just happen to be throwing very, very well. So um, I think Ethan Katz deserves a lot of credit for that. I've always been a pretty big Ethan Katz guy anyway. Um, I actually got in a discussion with a guy um, I think the second game I went to this season, um, older guy that was sitting to the left of me, and I, I think for an, an entire two innings, he was explaining to me why Ethan Katz is awful and why he needs to be fired. And but I just I hope you've seen the light, my friend, because Ethan's really done a great job. Um, you know, I I don't want to sit here and give him say credit for like Lucas Giolito because I feel like that's so generic because obviously the Lucas Giolito connection is like something that's just brought up to nauseum. Um, but I do want to give a defense to Lucas Giolito as well. Um, Rafael Devers, um, that guy just hits bombs. And if you're a right-handed pitcher, he like he will eat you alive. And there's just that, there's really just nothing you can do about that. Um, that was a that home run on Friday was a shot heard around around the world. I've never heard the ballpark get so quiet after a home run because it was just pop, dead silence. Yeah, that's going over the wall. So. That's a tough one, Lucas. Uh, you pitch very well, but um, that's just gonna happen, man. That's uh, that's a snake bitten way of it to go. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I, I just really want to, I want to see more consistency from this team. The pitching has continued to just carry the load, and uh, I really worry about the long term injuries of some of the players on this roster. Um. You know, and I, I think we've seen a little bit of it with like a guy like Yo Mankata, where we wonder how much his back injury is going to end up lingering. Um, we've seen it, you know, we, we've seen it with a couple different guys, obviously. You know, I, I don't want to jinx anybody, but we've seen it with, you know, say Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, stuff like that. 
Um, it's nice to see that some of those guys are getting healthy, but Yomankata is starting to really be the worrying one because um, he's a guy who has never really had that bounce back per se. Um, it seems like he's only really ever played in spurts since the 2021 season. And really, even the 2021 season, that is one that you could consider is pretty good for Yomankata, you know, in, in his own way. Um, it was one where it was a little choppy of how often he was being able to consistently play the game. And it's starting to become a real issue. Um, obviously we love Jake Berger on this podcast. Um, and Jordan, I'll let you go ahead and just jump into this one. What are your thoughts of the third base, uh, the long-term third base situation for the Chicago White Sox right now? Because if Yo Mankata is going to continue to have this back injury, you really got to start looking at life potentially after Yo Mankata. Right. And I think the reason this even becomes part of a discussion is, well, at a certain point, this team's going to start looking towards next year. I know they keep stringing along, stringing along. I just don't think anybody in the front office really thinks that, like, this is the, the crew that's going to advance far in the playoffs. I think Rick Hanna said as much. You know, we're not just looking to make the playoffs. We're looking to see if we can actually win in the playoffs before we make decisions about this roster. So I think this is a natural place to have conversations. You have a guy like Hendricks, who's been hurt. You have a guy like crochet who is supposed to be part of long-term plans how healthy is he can you really build him up and then you turn him on kata and i think it's a fair question to start asking i don't know when you really make the decision on hey we're gonna go elsewhere because he's got a 24 million dollar contract next year but at the same time if you're serious about competing maybe not next year but at least by 2025 so you can maximize the window you have with guys like robert jimenez cease kopech um you're gonna have to start finding your next option and you start developing them or trade for them or sign them. You really have to start thinking about it at this point, just because I, I don't think he's really going to Moncada is really going to play to the point to justify some of the options on his contract that, you know, they have to pay him 24 million next year, but do they have to pay him the year after that? So it, it's starting to at least be part of the conversation for me, honestly. Right, like unless he comes out next year and his back is magically healed and he plays at either 2019 or 2021 levels, which I think all those things happening together is pretty unlikely. Unless that happens, I highly doubt that he's back with the team in 2025. So you do unfortunately have to start looking elsewhere, I agree, whether that's free agency or the minor leagues. I don't really feel great about any, like it's not like we're talking about Tim Anderson and Colson Montgomery here. Like when it comes to third base, I think Brian Ramos is a good prospect, but he's not like a Montgomery or Robert or Eloy Jimenez where you need to like save a spot for him per se. Like maybe he'll get to that point, but I wouldn't bank on it. So they're going to have to get creative. It's, it's one of the positions that I think next year is set just because of his contract, but longer term, I don't feel great about it. And it, it's kind of sad. I mean, we talked about it before, but it's not like, I don't know. I feel the ability is still there. We had that one glorious week in April where Moncada was looking like, his 2019 self before the back flared up again. And then he came back from that injury and still looked injured, which I think he probably was and still is. So whether we even see him again anytime soon is anyone's guess, I think. But uh, back injuries just never go away. It's something that'll always be an issue, I think, for any player that has one. And for now, whether whether you plan on giving Ramos at bats in 2024 or you sign a big free agent or something, which I don't really think there are that many coming up for third base. At least they all seem to be locked up for a while. You kind of don't really have that many options, I guess. Yeah. You know, and I, I do think, uh, I do think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that it at least has to be a little bit of an option with Jake Berger at third base as well. 
Um, and I think him improving on defense, really, really his opportunity is now to be able to do it. He needs to be able to show that he's a competent enough glove at third base. And this is somebody who has consistently made the argument that Jake Berger should play regardless. But if you want to play the hot corner and you want to be in the lineup every day in that sense, now would be the time for Jake Berger to look a lot better with the glove, which I think he's looked pretty respectable. You know, I think he looked a lot better than he did last year. Um, obviously not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and obviously not a Yoel Moncada level glove, but a Yoel Moncada glove is not very valuable to us when we can't get Yoel Moncada on the field. So um, certainly an interesting conversation. Um, I, I wonder if the White Sox would be willing to do with Colts Montgomery, similar to what Kansas City did with the Bobby Witt, starting him at third base to potentially just be able to get him in the lineup every day till he obviously goes to the natural progression of going to shortstop because, you know, the plus side of, being good at shortstop is you could probably play anywhere on the field. Um, that's just kind of the old homage of it. But, um, you know, obviously we, uh, we might get some answers to those questions, you know, sooner rather than later, as far as like the, uh, the long-term aspects of the Chicago White Sox, obviously we have the ML- MLB draft coming up. Um, something we will be discussing. Um, obviously, you know, I think the catcher position is something you obviously have to take a look at, um, as well, at least take a glance at, because I think there is some pretty good catching prospects in this upcoming draft. Um, but obviously that's something we will talk about on next week's episode. Um, but that is probably it for the socks on 35th podcast, unless Jordan has anything else he wants to cope about. But anyway, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Also be sure to check out the website at socks on 35th.com as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at socks on 35th to stay up to date with your Chicago white socks. This has been Duke Coughlin, joined as always by Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. We will be back next week as we cover another exciting week of White Sox baseball. Do not park in Lot C. Thank you, and go Sox! Reminder that I think Luis Robert is good at baseball. Go Sox! (laughs) Thank you for that. Go Sox! (laughs) 